as a traveler, whether you're a traveling nurse, PT, OT, doctor, radiologist, anything, the pay is considerably better. You know, so not only was I taking an excitement as far as like adventure and moving somewhere new, I was also doubling my income by moving and not just moving to Alaska, but by taking a traveling job. This is the Seasonals Podcast, a show where we talk to people living the seasonal lifestyle. We take an in-depth look at the decision points they've encountered along the way. I'm here with Caitlin Keith today. Caitlin, how are you? I'm good. How are you today, Joey? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. We just got a ton of snow, so it looks amazing here in Colorado. Where where in the world are you? Uh, right now, I am in Anchorage, Alaska. I'm just sitting at home, also surrounded by like several feet of snow right outside my window. Perfect. We're getting the full winter treatment here in February. Absolutely. At least the sun is shining today, which is a um, very welcome sight here in Alaska this time of year. So, but it does make it a little colder when that happens, but still worth it. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the job that you're doing now that you've been doing for a while and sort of your life in Anchorage since you've been there. Um, Okay. I am a physical therapist. I have a, my doctorate of physical therapy. And so right now I'm currently working in a privately owned outpatient orthopedic clinic, um, which basically just means I'm just seeing people, you know, regular people off the street that are getting, um, going to their doctors and saying like, Hey, I have knee pain. I have back pain. I, or, you know, I have, I'm having surgery and they get a referral and they come into physical therapy. Um, and we work on, um, whatever things are you know, causing them pain or causing them some kind of immobility. And it's my favorite uh, setting to work in. There are several different settings you can work in as a physical therapist, whether it be, um, you know, in like a skilled nursing facility or in a hospital or even working with kids in schools. But this is, this is where I like to work um, more of like the outpatient orthopedic um, type setting. So that's where I usually find myself whenever I'm moving between jobs. But I just moved up to Anchorage in August of this last year from Maui. And so I'm going on now like six months of being here. Went, uh, came in at the end of fall, which was absolutely beautiful this time of year. I just got a little snippet of what summer is like up in this part of Alaska, but then straight went straight into fall, which was absolutely beautiful. And then straight into winter. So that was a real transition, especially coming <laughs> from the sun in Maui. But uh, I had some had some friends um, up here that I was able to kind of jump right into life with and live with. Fellow Ketchikan person, Haley Thompson, owns a house up here in Anchorage. And so I was able to move right into her, her house as a roommate. And despite COVID putting so many you know, restrictions on us, I was really able to meet a lot of people just kind of through her and um, you know, by doing various outdoor activities and stuff like that. And I've really been lucky to kind of have created my own little tribe up here of people that are really active and really adventurous and also, you know, are also kind of transplants up here. So we kind of all connect together 
um, in addition to meeting people from work and stuff like that as well. So I'm really loving Anchorage just for really the scenery, the Chugach mountains, mountains up here. Unbelievable. They're so beautiful. And then of course you look right over to your left and then there's the ocean, you know? Um, so it's really the combination of two of my favorite things up here. I'm an avid skier. So I've really enjoyed just being so close to the mountains and being able to ski just any day I want to. Well, when I'm not working, of course, <laughs> um, being able to jump up on the mountains and go skiing or hiking or anything like that um, through this winter has been crazy. But I'm definitely looking forward to the spring and to the summer as well to be able to hike and camp and fish and maybe do some kind of floating down the river of some sort in a pack raft or a kayak or who knows what I'll get roped into. I'm usually, I'm usually down for about anything to try. So that's uh, kind of my life up here in Anchorage. And it's been, it's been absolutely wonderful. I love it. So to kind of zoom in and get a snapshot of what you normally do up there in a day, can you think of maybe your favorite day that pops in your mind that you worked and did something outdoors? Yeah, well, I definitely have to go back to like summer, spring, or summer and fall because right now I work eight to five, pretty pretty straightforward hours, um, hour lunch in the middle of the day, and then you know the last four months when I get off work it's dark. So really, there hasn't been a lot of outdoor activities going on during this winter other than just like meeting up with friends or something like that. But let's see, this summer or this fall, I think honestly one of the best days was just. Uh, kind of racing home after work, jumping in and grabbing my roommates and us all just grabbing our hiking stuff and taking off and being up at a trailhead within 30 minutes, you know, and you still got hours and hours of daylight. And so then being able to go up a mountain and, and maybe have a cold beverage up there, which is pretty much my, my MO for any adventure. <laughs> I like to have a cold bevy at the top or at the end. And then, you know, trying to beat the sun on the way back down you know, whereas I got here in August, the sun was still coming down around like eight or nine, maybe versus in the, no, excuse me, in the middle of summer, you know, it's coming down at 11 PM midnight or not even really at all. So I imagine this summer will be a lot of, you know, meet you at this trailhead or let's go home and grab our shoes or grab a bike or something. And, you know, you still have three, four, five, six hours of daylight that you can go do something after that. But one of my favorite ones was definitely going, uh, meeting up with my roommates and going for a hike and then just basically trying to race the sun back down as it came over the range. So that way we weren't out at dusk because you do have to kind of worry about those, uh, those bears around up here. So trying to be conscious of your surroundings and the time of day is, is pretty important, but I'd say most of my adventures are happening on the weekends. You know, we'll, we'll take off on a, on a Saturday or Sunday morning and either go skiing at a resort or there's lots of backcountry skiing here, which I'm just getting into, you know, and, uh, trying to kind of set on an adventure for the day, set a plan. And once the sun finally comes up, of course, at nine or so 10, and then just kind of seeing what happens based on the weather and based on the views and how the snow's doing. So kind of a typical day up here is just knowing that we're going to be outside doing something, whether it's on skis or on foot or going for a, for a drive uh, somewhere to explore somewhere new. Is there a difference between your job in Alaska versus say Hawaii or somewhere else in the United States? Maybe even you see certain things more often there or anything like that. 
Yeah. Um, well, I will say that when I worked in Hawaii, I worked in what we call home health. So I was going to people's homes. Um, now, the reason you would do that is because they are homebound or they're typically either have a really severe or serious condition that makes it really taxing for them to leave the home or they're just really elderly. And so that was really cool because I did have a little bit more flexibility with my schedule and I basically just got paid to drive around the island all day, which was incredible, you know. So I got to see parts of the island that I would have never been able to had I just been kind of stuck in a clinic all day. You know, I'd have to go to upcountry Maui and I'd be driving through all these tiny little towns and I know those I knew those back roads so well because every day I was driving them back and forth between all these people's homes or just basically getting to drive along the water every day um, on my way over to Lahaina was so, so cool. I know that my passion is more in outpatient medicine, which means that you are going to be kind of stuck more in a clinic. So it's kind of hard to compare between the two because I saw just a completely and totally different clientele. What is interesting about when I worked like in Ketchikan versus like when I worked in Kansas, you know, in Kansas, I was used to seeing farmers and ranchers and, you know, more of those Midwest type jobs, which is exactly how I grew up. And then I got to Ketchikan and I was seeing, you know, fishermen and divers and crabbers and stuff like that. And I was like, fishermen are the farmers of Alaska. Like, I was like, I get it now. You guys do the same thing. You're both really hard on your bodies. You work like constant hours. There's no such thing as a weekend. You know, you guys just get the job done no matter what it takes, you know, as far as toll on your body, the hours it takes. And so that was really interesting to go from seeing, um, you know, more of like a farmer rancher type to a fisherman. But I was like, you guys are no different. It just is a little bit different. Uh, what kind of things you're raising or catching or going for. So that was pretty cool. And then also it was kind of different um, in Manhattan, Kansas. I worked right next to Fort Riley, which is a huge army base. So I would see lots of army there. And then when I got to Ketchikan, there's a Coast Guard base. So I was still seeing military, except for injuries that are more army based, you know, where they're on land or maybe they're like a, a tanker or they're jumping out of airplanes. Here I had Coast Guard and they would talk about how they were getting hurt on boats and, you know, getting caught between boats or getting thrown around during a really bad storm or something like that. And it was just kind of funny. I was like, it's the same, but it's a lot different. And so I think that's kind of cool when you work in so many different areas, you see a lot of different kind of clientele based on their injuries, but you know, really we're kind of all the same. Everybody gets hurt doing the most crazy things or sometimes just the most mundane things. But I'd say that's the biggest difference is uh, the type of study I worked in is different. Um, but it's really cool to, to just learn the culture and the different types of jobs and things that people do based on the areas that you're working. And I've been, it's been pretty cool to, to be immersed in all different different types based on where I've been. So it's pretty neat. Yeah, it sounds like you're seeing patterns because you sort of have a wider net or more macro view of the different things that happen to people because you've been different places that have different jobs and you're seeing patterns that sort of line up with sort of similar movements, I guess. Yes, definitely. Similar movements and similar similar schedules and similar priorities, you know, it's like they need to be able to, people need to be able to get back to work. People want to be able to do what they want to do, whether it's an ultra marathoner or something like really crazy like that, or somebody who just wants to be able to go and, and surf or just wants to be able to go on a hike. And, you know, in Alaska, it's crazy because people are like, I want to be able to go ski. I want to be able to go hike. I want to be able to do this. And, you know, in Kansas, they want to be able to play pickup football or play with their kids or 
ride a horse or something like that, you know? So ultimately like no matter where I am, people just want to be able to get back to their hobbies and get back to their life and, and feel, feel like they're not restricted or limited anymore. And those things might be completely different, but it's been a really unique challenge to see like how I can push myself and learn and about different, um, sports. Oh man, that was a big one. People here play hockey and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I know nothing about hockey. <laughs> like, you know, and I I grew up in Kansas. We don't have hockey there, you know. And so coming up here and learning like how somebody wants to be able to get back and play this sport versus maybe a more traditional sport that I'm used to, basketball, volleyball, football, but trying to get that into a totally different mo- movement, excuse me, movement or motion. But it's been interesting to learn about a lot of different sports because of that or swimming or just um, trying to think of other sports that I've been around that I did not grow up around, but have tried to like in Ketchikan, there's a huge dancing community, ballet and dance is It's incredible up there. And I am not a dancer, you know? And so I learned so much from some of the ballerinas and stuff I was able to work with. And some of the dancers I was able to work with up there as far as how their bodies move and the demands that they place on them. And so it's been, it's been pretty cool to, uh, to be um, exposed to a wide variety of athletes and then ultimately helping me evolve to be a better clinician to be able to treat them and give them what they need um, by learning more about them. So yeah, that's been pretty cool. Yeah, that's, I would have never thought about it that way. Sort of, you Mm -hmm. have to kind of learn these sports and different things from a completely different angle so that you can kind of treat them correctly. And and that adds to your knowledge as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I have to ask a question because I find it really interesting. So one of my favorite people in the world, Allie lives here, she's a, a physical therapist and she will sometimes dry needle me if I'm feeling mm-hmm. sore at a muscle or something, do you, and I, it like tickles me like so much. It's so funny to me and it absolutely helps. But do you, do you ever do any of that? I don't dry needle, but it's something I am looking to get um, certified in actually like potentially even this spring. So um, yeah, it is a super cool um, technique. That's really growing a lot of popularity throughout the PT world. And I think probably even chiropractors and Lots of different practitioners are using it in a, in a lot of different ways. I've worked with clinicians that are dry needle certified. It's, it's a quite a certification. It's usually um, a couple different weekends of training, you know, several days, quite a bit of money, lots of practice. So it's definitely not something that um, is super easy to come up on, uh, super easy to come by or something where you just like pick up some needles and say, I'll give this a shot. So kudos to her for going through the training. It is a really cool um, technique, though, that there's sometimes where I'll be like working with a patient and I'm like, man, I wish I could just dry noodle this. I bet this would help so much. So it's something that um, I'm looking to add. I would say like you got to have tools in your toolbox. You know, everybody might need just a little bit. You have to a little something a little bit different. You have to be able to be flexible to provide that patient with what they need. Um, And so that's really cool that you've uh, experienced it before. I've had it done to me on like my shoulder, even up into my jaw. I was getting a lot of headaches. And so I've had my, um, the old P- or the PT I used to work with, you know, did it along my jaw, my neck, my shoulder like that. And it's such a crazy feeling to have that needle go, especially if you have a tight muscle, it feels like rubber almost going in and out of tight muscle, but it's amazing how much better it feels afterwards. So that's cool. I'm glad you've had a positive experience with it. And it does motivate me to want to go take that course and start using it 
just to be a little more diverse on the different types of services I can provide. Yeah, it it definitely has helped me the couple times I've had it done. And I've I've got a shoulder situation going on from skiing. I think one of the like third or fourth time I, I went, I, I don't know, fell on it and it didn't hurt, but it just I just feel it, you know. And yeah. she was yeah. like, Oh, well, we got a dry needle that. That'll fix you right up. So <laughs> nice. Well, good. I'm glad she's taking good care of you. Yeah. Yeah. I know in during your story, you had a big moment where you decided, you know what, something has to change. And that led you to where you are now. Let's jump back to the beginning and sort of how you got into that moment. I've been traveling as a, as, as I should say, a traveling PT for, oh my gosh, about four years now. Um, I went to grad school, um, grew up in Kansas, went to undergrad in Kansas at Kansas State University, went to grad school in Kansas at Wichita State University. Like I, I was there. I, I did all my clinical work in Kansas. You know, um, I, I love, I love where I'm from and I had incredible school experiences all the way from high school to, um, grad school is phenomenal. And then I moved back to Manhattan, Kansas, which is where K-State is to start my first like kind of big girl job. And I was super excited about it. You know, felt like I was making a good wage, making a good salary, you know, it was first time I'd seen real money, you know, I was 25, 26, you know, a lot of my friends have been working for years and I was, this is the first time I could actually have like a paycheck. I could actually pay for stuff. It was phenomenal, you know? And then you kind of get into it and you're like, oh, well, by the time I pay my loans and my car payment and my rent and groceries, there's, it's not a whole lot left over. Like what the heck, you know, like this adult thing isn't, all it's cracked up to be. And I just realized, I just felt like I didn't really have any time off to really go do any exploring or traveling and everything that I had told myself that I'd be able to do once I got through school, once I got a job, once I got settled, you know, it was just kind of like, okay, now I'm there, I'm doing it. And, you know, it's been six months and all I've done is took one weekend trip to Colorado, which is awesome. But also like, I don't have any I don't have any money to do it. I don't have any time off. You know, I just felt like I was just kind of on this hamster wheel and I was kind of getting a little, little burnt out at work, you know, and I just felt like, you know, I've only been working for a year, year and a half. I, why do I feel like this already? Why do I feel like I'm just going to continue to do this repeatedly forever all the time and not do anything? You know, I just felt like I was just not moving forward and not doing the things that I had always looked forward to doing. And what started happening is I was, I didn't recognize it at the time, but I was actually growing quite unhappy, you know, just my personal and professional life. I just felt like I was kind of bored. I was constantly trying new hobbies. I was constantly looking for the next thing to push myself and to drive myself. And I just realized I just was like, I'm, I'm really pretty bored. Honestly, I'm, I'm content. I'm bored. I'm 26, almost 27. And I'm, I'm just not feeling challenged and not feeling really excited about anything. And it was really hard looking back um, for me to admit that to my family and to my friends. Um, I was really going through a, a pretty tough time and I was pretty emotional about it privately and then publicly or like even, you know, with my closest relationships with my best friends and my family, I just felt like I couldn't really tell them. I didn't know how to tell them. I didn't want them to think I was failing. I didn't want them to think I wasn't happy. I thought that was a sign of failure. And that's not, that's not acceptable for me. I feel like I've always been kind of an achiever. And so, you know, I was going to 
work. I was happy at my job. I, I liked my, I love my coworkers. I had a lot of friends there in Manhattan, but I was just like, I'm just deep down, I'm unhappy. And I just didn't know how to change that or how to express that. And because I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. I went to school, I got the job. Like here I am, I'm doing life. This is what everybody's doing. But I just was miserable. And I finally hit a breaking point. I was just emotionally drained. I was crying all the time, but I would just hide it from everyone. Like I just didn't, couldn't open up to anybody about it. And I think I just kind of hit my breaking point. And I believe I was on the phone with my brother, Justin, who is um, one of my best friends. And I just kind of hit this breaking point with, and, you know, I was considering taking a different job there in town and um, just to try something new, just to break up what I felt like was the monotony. And I remember he said something, well, if you're, if you're willing to leave your job that you love, then why do you have to stay here? Like, if you're going to leave your job anyway, then why do you have to stay here? And it was just like this, like moment, you know, like in my head, I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. Like I should go. I was like, I should be, I should travel. I should do the traveling PT thing. And it was like, from that moment on, it was just like this, like snap. Now he said, he'll say now to this day, he knew I should do that all along, but he just needs, I just needed to say it, you know? And so he says that all the time. I knew, I knew that you should do that, but you needed to come to that realization for yourself. And I did. And like, from that moment on, it was just like game over. I know exactly what I'm going to do. And I was like, I'm going to Alaska. Like I just said it. Like I was like, this is where I'm going. And I think he was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Not quite what I expected you to say, but all right. And then it was just within the week, I had called a traveling company. I put in my notice to my job that I was leaving. I applied for a license in Alaska. And it was just like, this was the momentum that, that I needed. This is a change I needed. And, you know, I think a lot of people, they feel like they need a change. They feel like they're ready for something different, but it's a huge leap of faith. It's, it's really scary. You know, I found this job through a travel, uh, a travel agency in Ketchikan. I put all of my belongings in storage. I traded out my car for a bigger vehicle so that way I could drive up there. And, you know, I think I got a lot of looks of what the heck are you doing? What are you doing? Where are you going? Oh, you'll be back in six months or Alaska. Why? You know, there was a lot of questions. And I think my family, they were all supportive, but they're all like a little inquisitive. Like, I wonder... I wonder why, or, you know, like they, they supported me, but I think that there was a lot of kind of confusion maybe, but they just trusted me and they gave me their support and they helped me pack and move. And my sister-in-law drove up there with me. And I think that when you're trying to make a change and doing something like that, you just have to put a lot of trust in, if your gut is telling you to go do something, you just got to follow it. And what I kind of knew in the back of my mind was I, if it doesn't work out, I'll just come home. If it doesn't work out, I'll just get another job. You know, I just kind of had this, but something was just pulling me. The desire to, the desire for a change, the desire for adventure, the desire for something new outweighed my fear of not just staying at home oh, 10 times. Like I had so many things I was trying to figure out on my own and between the drive up there and where I was going to live and interviewing for this job, there's so many unknowns and so many um, things I had to figure out. And it was stressful. It was very stressful. And then also leaving my life in Manhattan goodbye uh, behind, you know, telling my patients and my coworkers goodbye and 
my friends and then I'm telling my family goodbye that I've never lived farther than three hours away from. And now I'm moving 2,600 miles away, you know, so it was a lot, but, um, man, it was, it was the best decision I ever made. I basically got in a catch can. And I remember when my sister-in-law, she drew, she flew up there or excuse me, she drove up there with me and helped me kind of get settled in. And I remember putting her on a plane and being there in Ketchikan by myself, getting ready to get back on the ferry to go back over and being like, all right, here you are. <laughs> like you're on your own sis, like figure it out. And I was like, I remember just going like, I guess I'll go to the grocery store. You know, I don't know anybody here. I just moved into this apartment. I start work on Monday and like, just do the next thing, which was that point was like, let's go get some food, I guess, you know, and I would just say that to anybody that, that can't tell if they're in a position where, you know, they feel like something needs to change, they're ready for a new adventure, something like that, like, trust your gut. For me, it worked out incredibly well. And honestly, a lot of times I, I think back, I see where my life is now. And then I think back to if I wouldn't have taken that chance, if I wouldn't have taken a huge leap of faith and just said like, we're going to, we're going to totally mix things up. I think I, I get really sad, honestly, when I think about if I wouldn't have taken that chance, I'm sure I would be really happy still in Manhattan um, or wherever I would be wherever. But um, to think back on the experiences that I wouldn't have had and the people I wouldn't have met and the lessons I wouldn't have learned. Oh man, it's like gut wrenching to think about. So um, that's kind of was my, my big moment. Um, over the years, I've learned a lot about myself and how I react to the world around me and change. And it's, it was really, really, really hard for me at the time to admit and be vulnerable. And now it's, you know, it's even a big deal that I can even talk about it on this podcast about being vulnerable and stuff like that. Cause that's just not really something I show very often. I like to appear that I'm always, <laughs> always in control and everything is good. Everything is cool. But at the time, just even telling like, you know, my best friends or my, my siblings that I wasn't okay and that I wasn't happy. Oh man, I would have rather jumped off a cliff. That was just awful (laughs) for me. But now I can, I can see, I can do check-ins with myself and kind of see where I am. But I think that, you know, mental health played a lot of role in that and just like kind of learning more about yourself and um, it's okay to realize like, this isn't quite what I want. This isn't just because it's kind of the thing that's normal or the thing that's seems like everything looks okay from the outside. If if you're not feeling like things are feeling right in your life then like make, make the change, take the chance. And even if it's something minor, you don't have to pick up and sell off your life and move to Alaska. That's what I'm saying. However, if you know, if there's something in your life that you think, I think I'm ready for this or, you know, this is the time I would just say, take the leap because life is short for sure. And, uh, you never know where you'll end up like me sitting here. If you would have told me in high school or even like in grad school that I'd be living in Anchorage, Alaska right now. And I had been, you know, be bopping back and forth between Alaska and Hawaii for the last three or four years. I would never believed you in a heartbeat. And now I can't imagine life any different. So I think I answered your question, Joey. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think you did. <laughs> and a few more and a few more that I had. And a few more. I do that. Yeah, I mean, there are so many moments in there that I can definitely relate to or have 
heard that are that are so powerful. I mean, when your your friend had that just watershed moment of, uh, you know, you can leave, right? And <laughs> for you, it was that was that was the moment where it opened all these possibilities. It basically that that train track that was sort of bricked in that you couldn't see past, like just completely blew apart. And you're like, oh wait, look at all these other ways that I could be successful that might make me way happier than I am right now. And you're, you know, going through it with your family and just kind of like showing face. But then when you realize that you're like, you know what, guys, I got to get out of here. I can definitely, <laughs> definitely feel that for sure. What's cool is that now, you know, they're like, where are you going next? Well, where are you going next? Well, where are you going next? You know, so that's been kind of the cool part, too. And I will say a little a little side note as we're getting it, as we are also, you know, combining this with like work you know, my job is a little different than a lot of the, the seasonals and that, you know, I still am maintaining a doctor of physical therapy and I was doing this. And so it was really important for me to find a good clinic and everything like that. But as a traveler, whether you're a traveling nurse, PT, OT, doctor, radiologist, anything, the pay is considerably better, you know? So not only was I taking a big risk and excitement as far as like adventure and moving somewhere new, I was also doubling my income by moving and not just moving to Alaska, but by taking a traveling job, which in itself opened up another huge like opportunities for me to save, to pay off my loans, to pay off my consumer debt, um, to take time off in between contracts, you know? So that was also another huge motivator. I should mention, I, I doubled my income immediately. And that's just, you know, unheard of to be able to do that by just taking a different job in the same industry. So I was still working in an outpatient clinic. I was still, I was actually seeing less patients. I was seeing about half as many patients a day and making twice as much money. And so that solved a lot of burnout issues. It saved a lot of financial stress issues. So as far as like for medical travelers, that's a huge incentive for a lot of us to maintain travel. And then also you can you just work on a short-term contract basis. You know, my first contract up there was six months. Now I decided to continue to extend and stay because I loved catch can and I, um, I loved my job. Um, but that's also why I've continued to travel is because of, of the pay and benefits and freedom as well. So, um, there were a couple motivators that also went into that. That was a huge perk, um, is, uh, that the, knowing some of that financial stress would also come off as well. Yeah. I can imagine the uh, inner negotiation there. It's like, well, I'm going to double my salary, <laughs> but the, the bad part, you know, the big capital letter on the, uh, on the con side of the pro and con is I have to leave Kansas. So I don't know. Yeah. Shucks. You know? Um, yeah. Like, yeah, the, the, the pro list was pretty long and the cons, they were, there were a couple cons, but, they were short lived and all my family pretty much came to visit me within the first, you know, year I was there. If less the first few months I had a, one of my best friends from home, Holly, she came and visited me within a couple months of being in Ketchikan. So yeah, definitely a long pro list for there and just traveling in general, uh, as a, as a medical professional, it's pretty awesome. So yeah, one of the, one of the biggest fears for people that are thinking about making that leap is sort of losing either friendships or closeness with their family. And I def I mean, obviously 
proximity that certainly happens and you're losing quantity because maybe you're not around them as much. But what I found and other seasonals that I've talked to have found is the quality when you do see them or when you do talk on the phone with them, it gets much better. Did you find anything like that when you made the leap? Absolutely. That's something that my family and my friends talk about all the time. It's like when we used to live, you know, an hour, an hour and a half away from each other, I'd still probably only see people every three or four months, you know, life is busy and you don't make a priority for it. Cause they're, you know, they're just an hour away, you know, it's whatever. And now like when I come home, I kind of send out like what I call like, you know, the alert, I send out the, the message, you know, uh, like I'll be home for this day to this day. And, you know, it's like, everybody is like, I'm going to spend, you know, these days with my, with my sister, this days with my parents, these days with my best friends, see this person, you know, and it's like the time you spend with them now means so much. And you put, you, you take, don't, you don't take it for granted because it's not like you just, they're just an hour away now, you know, and you just have so much better quality time. And I remember there was a time my, my sister and my parents live in the same state and they have, you know, super close relationship and everything. And my sister said, you've been to my house more this year than mom and dad. And you lived in Alaska. You know what I mean? It's like, because you make that a priority to when you come back, you know, or just to come back every five or six months for me personally. And you just really knock out that time. And, um, you just, you know, you know, that you're not, probably going to see them again for a while or that you've been gone. And so you make the most of that time you have together and your, and your, your relationships actually progress a little bit, I would say. Um, and I make sure to really try to have that time during the week or as much as I can to have those FaceTime calls and, and the texts and everything to maintain my, the friendships. And it's hard to find time, especially with the time difference. Sometimes like Alaska is usually three hours and Hawaii is five hours. So you kind of have to make a date sometimes as far as like, you know, let's do it this day, this time. But, um, it means so much more, um, now that I'm gone, um, so much farther from them. It's, it's, it just seems more special for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's way easier to stay more present or you, you know, you try to stay more present in the moment when you see them and, so, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the way I describe it is basically a, a highlight reel when I'm at home because it's all, all the good stuff, none of the bad, you yes, know, <laughs> definitely like st- stick in as much fun things as you can. You bounce around from all your best friends and everything. And that was actually kind of the bad part about when I came home between Maui and Alaska this July, it's like right in the middle of COVID and I had just flown, you know across a couple different states and driven and everything. And it was weird because you want to see everyone. Normally I would be, you know, rocking around the state, driving around, seeing my friends going into town and everything like that. Um, that little statement I just said, they're going into town. That's like where I'm from. You go into town to see people, right? Cause I live on the country anyway. Um, and this time I did it. I basically just kind of like stayed at home. And if I did get to see anybody, you kind of kept your distance a little bit, just, you know, especially with my friends that have little ones and stuff like that. And that was hard, you know, to just like, I'm here, but I can't really go see people because of COVID and traveling and everything. And so that was kind of strange. But, um, when I am home, I try to sneak in, like squeeze in as much quality time with everybody as I can. Did COVID affect your job much more than, you know, the the normal amount? It did a small amount. I have to say that I was extremely lucky. 
I've been extremely lucky with my job in COVID, especially compared to so many others who have completely lost their jobs or had reduced hours or anything like that. Um, I was so lucky. I was in Maui working home health when COVID hit, um, but I was working for a big company, uh, Kaiser Permanente. And whereas we're going to people's homes that are really high risk, they basically had to switch over to telehealth, telemed. And so I was doing a lot of like Zoom um, conferences, like with my patients as well as talking to them on the phone and doing like frequent checkups and with their family members and stuff. But the company was, I was technically on a contract then and they were, my, my supervisor there did have to kind of fight for some of us travelers to stay on because they were looking to cut contracts just to save money. And the travel jobs around the nation just plummeted. They went from being like 400 some plus PT travel jobs at any time to like five. Like it just completely pummeled or plummeted, excuse me. So it was to a certain extent, like um, I was still able to work and make my full income and everything like that. It just changed a little bit. And then obviously having to like gown up and PPE and everything like that when I would go see um, patients. Um, but also I was pretty lucky in that I was able to complete my contract stay longer than I had anticipated in Maui because I was hoping to get up into Anchorage by May, but I was like, Nope, I'm just going to stay right here because travel is weird. Jobs are weird. So I was able to stay um, in Maui until July. And then I got this job in August up here and then, you know, was able to do everything I needed to, to uh, get into the state of Alaska with COVID testing and everything like that. So you know, obviously everyone was affected by COVID in some way, shape or form. I was really, really lucky in that I was very mildly affected overall. Like I still basically did what I wanted to. And as far as like moving from Alaska, excuse me, from Maui to Alaska and then staying employed throughout it. So definitely consider myself very lucky. If you had to go somewhere else, because I mean, it sounds like you've got it made in Alaska. You've got this routine <laughs> down between Alaska, Hawaii everything's a surfboard on rainbow. You get to <laughs> ski with Haley Thompson, you know, you're hanging out on the beach after work uh, in Hawaii. If Hawaii and Alaska were off the table, you had to take a contract somewhere else. What's, what's the next place that you would go? Uh, yeah. I, I get asked that a lot. Cause they're like, okay, well you've been, you've been to those places now where, and I'm like, why would I go? I'm like, have you guys seen Hawaii and Alaska? Why would I go anywhere else? But right. Well, that's, that's know, why I, I've got to yeah. take those two off, yeah, off the guy, table. Gotta, They're out. <laughs> you got to play devil's advocate here. Um, I, I've had always, I have not been up in too much of Idaho, excuse me, Idaho, Idaho, Utah area, kind of like Montana. I think it would be awesome to go up in there. I've heard great things about those areas. And I, I have some friends that live up there that I've met traveling. And so I do think it would be really beautiful there. I've never done anything on the East Coast. I've I've traveled to like Washington D.C. when I was in high school, but I've never really been to the East Coast. Fun fact: I did have a Plan B when I first started traveling. I tried to get my or I went to get my PT license in Alaska, and I also just just in case there were any jobs there, as like a Plan B, my travel recruiter uh, suggested that I get you know another license in another state just in case. And so I was like, you know what? I've been to the East Coast, South Carolina. I'm going to do that because the license is pretty easy to get. It's a fast turnaround. And so I literally had two completely opposite options. Luckily, Ketchikan 
you know, this job in catch can popped up and I took it immediately. But my dad, you know, for the next year was like, well, when are you going to South Carolina? When are you going to South Carolina? And I was like, dad, if you want to go golf at Hilton Head, just go. Like, I don't need to live there for you to go there so you can go, um, you know, golf there. Cause my family was pretty excited about that. But, um, I'd probably say that I would get some kind of traveling living situation, like a camper or a bus or a trailer. And I would cruise around between Colorado, uh, Utah, Idaho, maybe get into like Oregon, Washington. Like if I were going to stay on the mainland, I would get some kind of like mobile living situation because I tell you what, picking up and moving your stuff, as you know, like every four to six months is, it's kind of a pain. But with what I, with how I move from one island to another, it doesn't, I can't really take anything. I can't have a vehicle that I move between the two. So I would take advantage of being able to just like have a home that I could take with me. And I would probably uh, be in that area just because of the mountains and all the hiking and everything that would be available. So um, I don't really think I'd go to the South. Don't really think I'd go to the East Coast. And I feel pretty solid on my Midwest experiences. So I'd probably hang out in in the the Northwest, I think. Yeah, the sort of Utah, Wyoming, Colorado corridor there in New Mexico is yeah. is great. It's treating me well right now. So I would I would suggest yes. that. And then the Pacific Northwest is my I think maybe my favorite part of the country. So Absolutely. So many beautiful things to see that I really haven't gotten a chance to explore much. So um that's definitely on the bucket list. So just add it to the list. <laughs> so what is sort of your uh future plan i mean everything's going so great what what's next future plan i was actually just talking to my sister about this right before we jumped on this uh this call joey i have no idea (laughs) um i'm really trying to figure out how i want to negotiate my next several months to a year um i really love this anchorage area and this is the first time i can say probably since i left kansas that like this is somewhere i could see myself being long term and that's really strange to say because i've always had an end date on everywhere i go like i'm going to be here for 6 months i'm going to be here until the end of summer and then i'm going to go here it's weird now to be like i think i could actually like hang out here for a while um i technically have a permanent job right now um but i got him to agree, my boss to agree to a, a, a contract. So I still wanted an end date. I like to be able to negotiate my time at places because I, I still kind of think in a little bit more of a short-term um, aspect than most people would. They think like, oh, I get a job. I'll just be here until, I, until I'm not. I like to kind of have a date. So um, I agreed for August to April. Right now, I definitely intend to stay here for the summer. I would love to do another winter here, but I do see myself maybe needing like a month or so in Maui just to balance out the snow. And I, I just miss my life and my friends and my family, uh, not family, but people who've basically been like my family over there in Maui. So ultimately my future is, is still TBD. You know, I always say the plan is there is no plan. Um, because I might decide in like a week, like, okay, this is what I want to do or total big life change here. Um, and I just like having the flexibility to do that, not only with like having end dates on contracts, but also just having like the financial stability to, to say like, I want to take off a month or two, or I really was hoping to do some out of country travel this year. 
but that kind of got, you know, thwarted with uh, COVID. But there's still so much to see and do up here. And I feel like I've just barely, barely, barely etched the surface um, with life up here and the things I want to see and do and, and challenge myself with. So I can definitely see Anchorage kind of being my home base for the next year or two, um, but still want to have that flexibility to take off time, go back to Kansas for some big family events that are happening this year, go to Maui, maybe do some overseas traveling next year if that's you know an option. Um, just, I still want that flexibility to move around and to do, to kind of be in control over my schedule, um, while still having kind of a place where I can still come back and kind of call home and see, um, and have that stability, which I think is here. So that's kind of my plan for now, which feels kind of weird to not have like a, you know, I actually bought a vehicle up here, which is the first time I've like had a vehicle that I actually own. For a while so that's been kind of fun um but I don't see myself like buying a house or anything like that anytime soon I still still like to have that feeling of like I can just pack up my stuff in a couple suitcases and go like I still like that that feeling and it's, it's empowering to me yeah I I definitely hear you on all that I bought a vehicle here it's the first time I've owned a car in eight maybe nine years and then oh, I yeah. uh yeah, what's today? The 14th. So two days ago, I had been here a year, which is twice wow. as long as I've been anywhere in the last eight, nine, eight or nine years. So it was, uh, that is insane. That's what's so great about all of us. It's like, I think for a lot of us seasonal, this has been such a strange year where maybe we kind of found somewhere we could be kind of comfortable for a while. We've all just kind of sat put or stayed put, you know, which is it's just kind of strange for, you know, I kind of think back to when I think of seasonals, I think of all of us in Ketchikan, you know, um, that I first met and got exposed to kind of the seasonal lifestyle. I didn't even know there was a group of you that were all doing this until I got there and I was like, this is great, you know? And so I I think that a lot of us have kind of stayed put, um, just for that stability this last year, but I think all of us are kind of getting an itch again at some point to do some traveling or change things up a bit. So I absolutely feel that. (laughs) Mm-hmm, definitely. <laughs> if you were to give some advice to a high schooler or college student, or maybe even a, a niece or nephew or family friend or friend of a friend um, that was looking into maybe getting into the seasonal life or traveling, um, maybe something like you do, what what sort of points or guidance would you give them? Well. That's funny you said that because I do have nieces and nephews that I am constantly <laughs> um, hounding with this information. I have a niece, Alyssa, that's a senior, and I have a nephew, Derek, that's a junior, and a nephew, Jackson, that's a sophomore in high school. And then I also have a nephew named Tyler who is in grade school. So we'll give him a little bit. But I mean, I am, I, I know that they're watching. I know that they've seen what I've done. I know that they've seen where I've moved and the things I've done and, you know, they ask questions about it and they see my pictures and, you know, they, their, their friends ask them about what I'm doing. And, and I know that it's not for everybody. And, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with my niece about this because, um, I, I almost, I want her to see that there's, there's, there's a lot of life out there. There's a lot of different things to see. There's a lot of different people out there to meet that, you know, 
I think just really widen your, your, you know, understanding of the world and the people around you. And I'm not even traveling the world. I'm just going to like a different state. That's just you know outside of our little town. And, you know, I love that I was born and raised in a small town. I am, I am so grateful for the community I was raised in and I love going home. Like people, my friends all know, I talk about Pinocchio, Kansas, like it is, you know, God's gift to earth. I love it. Um, but I just, I think it's important to be around people that are a little different from you that come from different backgrounds. And I don't really think it's in her cards for her to take a gap year between high school and college. But I think that it, it's not a bad idea for anybody if they think that that's something they are not really sure what they want to do in life, or they're not sure where they want to go to school or what they want to study, like go somewhere, like find a job. You know, there's all these websites that, um, have all these jobs listed or experiences and, and just get out there a little bit and see something a little different. You might find something that you had no idea you were interested in. You might just, uh, you might learn something about the world. You might learn something about yourself, you know, and I know that they, um, not everybody is, is, is made for this kind of lifestyle. Not everybody can just pick up and go and, and, uh, meet new people and make new friends and not really have a, a worry about it. And I know that's, that is kind of a unique gift that maybe like a seasonal takes on. Um, but I guess my, my advice to her has always been, don't, don't do it because you think that you, um, that you can't like you're tougher than you'd like to believe. And sometimes you don't know how tough you are. And I don't even even say tough, but just what you're capable of or the skills you have until they're kind of, they're kind of put to the test a little bit. And, you know, I just, I just want people to, or want them to know that if they, if they decide to stick around and, and come back to our small town and live, I think that's amazing. I think that's great. They'll be an asset to the community, but I just always want them to know that's not their only option that you can go and do something that's a little against the status quo. You can go and, um, go on different experiences that maybe not all your friends are doing, but there's a lot of opportunity out there. And so don't ever, don't ever feel like you have to stay inside this box or stay inside these expectations. And they know that I'll help them no matter what, like I would love to take them traveling or to, uh, to help them make connections or networks with anywhere I've been that I have, or I have somebody. So that's just, um, I guess that's actually the real life conversations that I've had with, especially my niece and I will have with my nephews, but you know, um, I know that they're watching. I know that they see what I do and I just want them to know that a lot of things are are possible and there's a lot of cool stuff out there <laughs> to see and do. And I, I still intend to see and do a lot more of it for sure. Yeah. To me, it seems like a lot of people have this idea that, you know, when you jump before having that safety net or seeing that safety net, um, I think the idea that in business, you know, when you start a company, you're probably going to fail. Most often uh, Mm -hmm. people do, you know, it's like 80 plus percent of businesses fail. Um, But in seasonal work, I found you're probably going to succeed. It's very rare that I hear a story or I know someone that gets into it where they don't come out the other side, just so happy that they did it. And whichever way Mm -hmm. they choose to, um, it's, it's sort of hard to really screw it up too badly, I guess. Yeah. I mean, um, I think because no matter what, you're going to learn something from it. You're going to take something from it, whether it's just a little bit of income to get you through the summer, or it's going to be new friendships, new relationships, new experiences. 
Like, even if you don't end up being a seasonal or a traveler for, you know, your life, even, you know, doing it for a couple of years or one summer, just for a short amount of time, I think can make a huge impact on your life. That's what I want for them. Um, I'd love to take any of them on a trip or traveling. And they're really lucky that they have had a lot of opportunities to do some traveling and to go lots of places and experience some fun stuff. But I guess I'm just kind of excited to see what they do. You know, they're kind of like, they're my little, almost like my little siblings. You know, I'm really proud of all of them and excited to see what they do. Um, And I'd love to just snatch all of them up and take them on a trip and just kind of be like, there's some cool stuff out here, guys. We're not in Kansas anymore. You know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I hate that. I hate that quote. I can't believe I just said it, but I, cause I get that a lot, but it's true. You know, there's, there's a lot to see and do out there. So. Yeah. Yeah. And if they, you know, if they do listen to this, I know a lot of people around the world, all kinds of people, rich, poor, every continent I've lived on six continents and auntie Caitlin knows what she's talking about kids. Okay. <laughs> what she's got to say. She's a cool dude. <laughs> she's a cool dude. Write that down. <laughs> Is there a lesson that you learned growing up in Kansas that um, sort of helps you now in your job or in your travels? Oh, yeah. I would say it's not even just that I grew up in Kansas. It's that I, where I grew up. I grew up on a farm. I grew up in a very small community. There was a, when I say go to town, it's a little town called Hill City, and it has like 1,200 people. There's 30 people in my class. You know, we, uh, my parents, uh, we live on a farm outside of town, um, and we, we farm a lot of acres of land. Um, we have cattle and we also have a, a spray business, um, which is where you put down the agricultural, uh, the chemicals for, and the fertilizer for like, uh, wheat and corn and like high yield crops, like I think acres and acres and acres. When you think of Kansas and you see a John Deere combine in a field, that's my family. That's what I'm trying to spit out. So I always say like, we don't like to be bored. But no matter how busy we are, no matter my, my parents and, and my family and my brother and everything, they go, go, go constantly. Um, and it's it's something that all of my siblings we've been instilled with. But I think like the big thing that my parents have always instilled with us is that no matter how busy you are, how much you got going on, like there's always there's always time to help somebody else. You know, um, my my family, they'll take the shirt off their back to help someone else like no matter what, like friends, families, and neighbors. Um, and that's something that I think like has always been really important to me. Like give, give your talents and give your skills or just give whatever you got to help somebody else. Um, and I think that's kind of like a Midwestern probably quality you'd say, but I think that just really where I'm from, like we all kind of have to band together and help each other. I don't know. I feel like I've, I've really taken that sense of community with me. Like when I've gone to somewhere where I didn't really know anybody and you're able to kind of like make these friendships and grow these little communities. And ultimately my thing is always like, I really care for the people around me. How can I help? How can I help someone else or whether it's like with a problem or physically or anything like that. So I think that's a a quality that was instilled in me at a young age. Also just like work hard, work hard, no matter what you're doing. That was with physically like what we are doing or sports, you know, um, definitely, definitely got encouraged to be a little competitive when I was younger, but I also, I just wanted to, to do everything and try everything and ideally be good at everything. And so sometimes that can happen. That can be a fault as well. But, um, I'd like to think I kind of take some of my 
Kansas farm girl mentality around me with wherever I go, whether I'm in, you know, I think that most people after they are around me for a while, they're like, yep, that's like, as my Instagram handle is, that's Kansas Kate, you know, like I've kind of got this farm girl, like help anybody work hard mentality that I, I really feel like follows me around. And I think is what makes me kind of unique in the friend groups that I'm in. Um, cause I'm pretty much usually the only one from that area or that was raised like that, wherever I go, <laughs> it's pretty unique to me. Well, Kate, it's been great to have you on the episode. Thanks so much for your time and for telling us your story. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. And um, I would say what you guys are doing between the podcast and the magazine and everything, it's just been so cool to see everyone's stories and to hear about unique opportunities and experiences. And I just think it's it's really cool that that what you guys have been doing in the business and all the content you've been sharing. And so kudos to you guys. It's It's a great project and really really something I'm really happy to be a part of. So thank you so much for asking me to be on. That's it. That's the episode. The seasonals are Kelly Mogg, Ryan Deininger, me, Joey Ravinsky. The theme song by Ryan Deininger, Joe Williams, Louis Leva, Chappie, Thomas Hamilton. Follow us on Instagram at the seasonals underscore. Like us on Facebook. Listen to our next episode. That's it. We're out. Yeah.